Canine Cast number 41 is sponsored by Home Again ID Microchip. Get more information at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, this is Walter with your Canine Cast recap. Just in case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 40, we talked about table scraps for your dog. We had a listener email on amusing a puppy, and we also have a new sponsor, which you just heard in the very beginning. We also talked about some pictures that we posted to the picture gallery of Ginny and Tucker, Q, Trinity, Roxy, and Indy. Thanks, Walter. Now, today we have a listener email regarding raised feeding platforms and bloat. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about dogs and cold weather. Now, in moving up here, we've been surprised by some of the things that we've seen. You're not the only one who's been surprised. Toby and Kyler have been surprised about what they've seen, too. Well, that's true. I don't I don't think they were expecting to go outside and have the ground be white all of a sudden. But, uh, but um, that's, well, the surprises would be expected for them. Uh, for us, it seems that people just tend to interact with their dogs in some very different ways than what we're used to. Um, for instance, it seems that here they tend to go around with their dogs off leash quite a quite a bit more than what we're used to seeing back down in Florida. And where we are actually is um, pretty uh, pretty built up. I mean, it's not it's not like it's rural with um, rolling land, and that's why there are busy streets all over the place. But um, people tend to walk their dogs off leash anyway, which of, of course, you know, we don't recommend that. Um, if your dog's in an enclosed area, or like I said, if there's big open, um, big open spaces of land where nothing's going to hurt them, then of course that's, that's all great. But, um, but near busy streets, we definitely recommend keeping your dog on a leash. Even, even the best, best trained dog that would never, ever leave your side you never know what's going to happen. And it's especially true here um, in the in the winter and the snow because dogs can easily lose their scent. So if they wander away from you or they lose sight of you, it's not necessarily as easy for them to be able to find their way back. Um, that's especially true if it's actively snowing because then their scent that they were following before could be covered. So keep that in mind, and possibly because of this, more dogs are lost during the winter than in any other season, according to the ASPCA. So this is an especially important time of the year to make sure that your dog always has ID on, and if your dog isn't microchipped, then getting that done as soon as possible is a great way to ensure that they will always have ID on them. Another thing that I've seen lately that's I found really surprising and um, actually was taken aback at first by it was I've seen a number of people who leave their dogs in their car, say their dog's out been driving with them and the person has to run into a store quickly, they'll leave the dog in the car and go inside. Now, down where it's hot, this is something that you rarely see um, because everybody hears about how hot it gets in cars and anybody who's been in a car that's stopped um, for any amount of time knows how really, really hot it can get. And it can get up to dangerous levels rather quickly. So that's just not something that we normally see where it's hot. But up here, in the short time that we've been here, I've 
seen this over and over. So, of course, it occurred to me, oh, well, you know, that's because it's not as hot up here at this time of year. However, I have found out since then um, that, again, according to the ASPCA, it's also, it's also pretty dangerous to leave your dog in a car unattended if it's cold out. Um, the way that they describe it is that the car can almost act as a refrigerator and the temperature inside the car can drop pretty quickly. So if it's whether it's hot or it's cold, either way, you don't want to leave your dog unattended in your car. Another thing that we've found out about is you, you need to thoroughly wipe down your dogs when they come in from playing outside, which I'm sure most people do to try and keep them warm and dry. Um, however, this is a great time every time that your dog comes inside to actually check their feet and check the pads on their feet because when you're outside, normally you can see if there are hazards, say broken glass somewhere on the ground that they may walk on, whereas here in the snow that tends to get covered up. Um, so we actually we actually did notice that a Kyler had apparently stepped on something and had a little sore on her paw. So I was kind of happy for the the snow that I was wiping, you know, that I was wiping it off and came across that. But on the other hand, it occurred to me that may be why she accidentally stepped on something. So that's something to keep in mind. And also um, by by making sure to clean off their pads really well, you're keeping them from licking themselves. And if they do that, they can lick salt and um, possibly antifreeze and other yucky things that could make them sick. So, so be sure to do that pretty thoroughly. And um, a helpful hint, we had talked in a prior canine cast about a way to grind your dog's nails so to keep them short or, um, or actually using the peanut butter trick in order to cut them short. This is a great time of year to use that because if your dog's nails get too long, it can cause their toes to actually splay out and make spaces between the toes. And then more ice and snow can get caught in between their toe area. So, um, so make sure during this time of year to keep your dog's nails short. And that'll also help them to track in less snow, which is good for everybody. It makes it more fun. And lastly, the last thing that I'm going to just kind of bring up here is to watch your dog's weight during the winter time. Um, you may need to adjust their feeding a little bit, which we found out as I was noticing our dogs getting oh so slim and trim. Um, a lot of times animals will need to be fed a little bit more during the winter time because their body is expending more energy in order to keep them warm. So, wa so watch how they look. Um, you know, of, co of course, you don't want to overfeed them and make them overweight. They don't need a layer of blubber to keep them warm, but you just want to regulate it so that their weight stays about the same. Because if they do lose weight, then, you know, that can make it even tougher for them to stay warm. So we've been making a lot of adjustments, but we're having a great time up here and the dogs have been experiencing some new things. So that's that's been pretty interesting. Toby's gotten very, very good at going outside and doing his business and then wanting to get right back inside, whereas before he used to be one who would kind of play around a little bit. Now, on the opposite side of things, Kyler is the one who wants to stay out and play for longer. So uh, they're kind of almost doing the opposites of what they used to do. But it's really neat to see them adjust and see them as they are experiencing all these new things along with us. All right, so now we get to take a listener email. This is a great one. Uh, it's a question about raised feeding platforms and bloat. Uh, first of all, 
before I even read the email, to give you some background for anybody who's not familiar with bloat. This is a condition. It generally tends to affect larger dogs and dogs with larger chests. What happens is um, it, it bloat occurs when air, food, and fluids kind of build up in a dog's digestive system. Um, and the dog is unable to get the gases out of the way. And literally, they're, um, they, get, they get very bloated. Their system bloats up. A lot of times when this happens, the stomach will actually twist, um, which complicates the situation, of course, because when the stomach twists, then it closes either end of the stomach, and there's, no, there's nowhere for the gases to go to get out. So this is something that can be really, really dangerous. It's, um, it's def it definitely can be lethal. As a matter of fact, only, um, or actually a third of the dogs who get it don't don't make through don't make it through um, and that's each year so um, to give you to give you an idea of some of the things to look for some of the signs of bloat um, that it normally happens of course around the time that the dog is eating that's how you know the food gets in there with everything else start causing a problem so if you notice your dog being like kind of restless after eating like in a, in a very strange way um, they're not able to sit down or lie down comfortably, or they're nervously pacing right after eating. Um, sometimes they will even attempt to vomit, but um, but they're unsuccessful. They're not um, able to actually get anything up. They'll they'll salivate. They'll whine. Sometimes they have a difficult time breathing, and they also um, their heartbeat can go way up. So th those are some general signs. But the the one of the biggest things to look for, no no pun intended, because this is a, a, a very, very bad um, situation when this does happen, is their their stomach area can actually um, get very big and very rounded, and it actually looks like they're bloated. Um, some pet owners can even kind of like tap it and hear a hollow sound inside. So, um, so a lot of times you'll see the dog around, eat, you know, around eating time or after eating time, um, being, you know, very, very restless and seeming very, very uncomfortable. And you can actually see them being bloated. If you ever do see this with your dog, even if you don't have a large dog, um, because smaller ones can get it, although it's more common in the bigger dogs, um, immediately take your dog to the emergency room. Um, your your dog's chances of surviving are, are greatly, greatly um, increased if they get there in time, and they, they will probably need surgery in order to correct it if it is bloat. Um, however, time is definitely of the essence. It's not the type of thing where you can wait until the next day. So, uh, so it's it's a very very serious problem. And a, a lot of people who have large breed dogs or have dogs that um, are built in such a way to be predisposed to this condition are aware of it. So that's why um, why we have this email from Katie asking about bloat because she has two large two actually very large dogs. One's a uh, one's a Great Dane, and the other one is a uh, St. Bernard. So, Katie writes, My husband and I are avid listeners to your podcast and hope that you might have some advice on some conflicting information we've come across lately. We share our home with a six-and-a-half-year-old St. Bernard and a two-year-old Great Dane. Both are tall and both eat their meals from raised platforms at or close to shoulder height. We are very conscious of the danger of bloat for both of our dogs, and we keep a close eye on them during mealtime, and they are not allowed to go out and run around for at least an hour before eating and even longer after eating. 
In a couple of books and magazine articles on senior dogs that I've been reading recently, it recommended that dogs with deep, narrow chests, i.e. Great Danes and St. Bernard's, not eat from raised platforms as this might lead to or aggravate bloat. On the other hand, I've read an equal number of articles that suggest that eating from raised platforms reduces the amount of air that dogs gulp in while eating, thus minimizing the likelihood of bloat. We'd be most grateful for your thoughts on these conflicting messages, particularly because we are reluctant to have our very tall Dane eat off the floor and because our senior St. Bernard is entering a stage of greater propensity for bloat. We want to keep both of them safe. Thanks, Katie. Well, Katie, unfortunately, I can't really give you a definite yes or no answer to this question either, um, because much like you, I too have run across conflicting information in this area. So um, basically, up until recently, I had always heard that part of the reason why you raised the feeding platforms was specifically to prevent bloat. And it's just recently that I've heard um, the other way around. The idea with raising the feeding platforms is that in um, the dogs not having to lift their head up and down, they end up um, bringing in less air as they're eating. But from from what I understand, there's recently been a study, um, and I haven't actually been able to find the study, but um, the study said that having the food raised actually increased the the likelihood of bloat. So, so I really don't know um, what to tell you so far as to raise it or not for that reason. However, um, since since it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a really good answer so far as that goes. What I would do is to continue doing all of the other things that you're doing to help prevent it. Um, probably most important is that you are making sure that they're not exercising hard either before or after eating. Um, because that, of course, would make them gulp in um, more air and then that could cause them some bloat problems. So that right there is a really, really big step in helping to prevent bloat. Some other, some other ideas for you that I, um, that I didn't see here that you may or may not be doing is you can um, make sure that you're feeding them a higher quality food. The reason why being that in feeding them the higher, quali- the higher quality, they can actually eat less quantity at each meal and still get all of the nutrition that they need. So that helps to keep their stomachs a little bit less full with that. Um, you mentioned that you watch them very closely. So um, so you're probably able to keep them from gulping their food. If you do notice them gulping or even um, if it seems like they're taking in too much at once as it is, then of course you can break you, know, you can break down their meals into you know as small as you want as many times a day as you want, or you can do such things as hand feeding, or as they are eating you know maybe during one session go ahead and put in food a couple of different times during that session just to help um, them slow down with their eating. Um, of course, if you have a breed that you're concerned with bloat about, or if your dog has ever bloated before, regardless of, um, of breed, make sure to avoid p- feeding any people food. Um, that, ca- that can cause uh, stomach gases for dogs anyway. Um, as a matter of fact, any change in diet can do that. 
Um, so avoid feeding people food and try not to change their foods too much. Um, for example, if you if you bring them somewhere with you, maybe to visit family or maybe they're going to be boarded at a kennel, make sure to bring along their food so that it's something that they are familiar with and it'll help um, it'll help decrease any um, extra gases building up in there. So if they do want to switch to a higher quality food, then how do they avoid the challenge of getting gas from switching foods? Well, what, what you'd want to do in that case is to switch slowly. So in other words, you would start out with, um, you would take about a week and the first day you would give the dog mostly their old food and just a little bit of the new food. And then as the week goes on, you would just continue to switch the proportions so that each day they got more and more of the new food, less and less of the old food. That's right. I think we talked about that in Canine Cast number 30, actually. Glad that you asked that question because, yes, I mean, at the same time that, you know, they may want to change to a different food so that the dog can eat less of it. Um, it's really extra important with dogs who are predisposed to this condition to do so correctly so that you um, decrease the likelihood of it popping up while you're switching over um, to be to begin with. Um, also, in addition to keeping them from eating large amounts, of course, um, don't allow them to drink large amounts of water just before or just after eating anyway, because um, you want to just kind of regulate how much of anything goes into their stomach because all of that can, um, can add up and be what actually causes the problem. So um, now you had mentioned, Katie, that you, that you watch them um, really closely while they're eating. Um, and for everybody out there, you know, it's always a good idea with your dogs to watch them, you know, while they're eating before and after to make sure that they're, you know, that they're not having any problems, that they're not exercising um, too hard. Because even if, even if you're not, you know, exercising them, they could still go outside and just kick up a, a ruckus on their own in the backyard or something like that. And, um, and that could cause them problems. So, it sounds to me like you're like you're doing all of these different things to help prevent them from getting bloat, which is excellent. And the other the other thing that I'm that I see here is um you know your your Great Dane it's a very very far far distance from you know from your Great Dane's head to the floor in order to eat. And also you'd mentioned that the Saint Bernard um, at six and a half years old is getting on into senior years, so that means that it can be tougher for um, you know for that dog to be eating off the floor as well. So, so far as the height, I would say you know wa watch your dogs eat. Put the platforms um, at what you know whatever height it seems like it's going to make them most comfortable. At least that's what I would do in this situation. Is I would just try to um, you know raise or lower the platforms according to what appears to be the most comfortable for them to eat at, so that they don't feel like you know they have to gulp their food and get it over with or um, or anything along those lines. And other than that, um, go ahead with all of the other um, prevention me measures. And, you know, that's the very best that you can do for your dog, you know, and, um, and watch what, you know, watch what happens. And if you have any, you know, any, any, any question or they show any signs that looks like it might be this, then, um, you know, get them right to the emergency vet. Um, and on that note for, and this, this goes for everybody. It's a really good idea if you have not yet visited the emergency vet clinic in your area or um, you're not you're not familiar with it, you just haven't gone down there, um, 
it would be great to do that before you actually need to take your dog because while your dog is in some kind of distress um, is not when you want to have to be driving around somewhere where you're unfamiliar trying to find the emergency vet. Um, most most areas have you know some type of a 24-hour emergency service, but it may it may be you know far away from where you normally go. So find out where that is now. Um, go ahead and take a trip there, drive yourself by there, just so that you can familiarize yourself with the route. And that way, if your dog ever does need to go there, then you're well prepared and can take them um, straight on over. So, um, so thanks for the email, Katie. And I hope, I hope that I was able to give you some suggestions to, um, to make you guys feel a little bit more confident with this. Um, so far as the Feeding Heights I would say to keep an eye on the new research that's coming out because it seems like that, um, like they're getting new information and that information is just developing over time right now. Um, so hopefully we will have an answer on that in uh, sometime in the not too far off future. But thank you so much for your email. And we love getting emails from all of our listeners. So please continue sending those in. We love our s- stories and questions and pictures are always a great thing to see of all of the our listeners' dogs. So speaking of that, which pictures do we have today, Walter? Well, we have a picture from Marianne of her dogs, Lucky and Azul. Lucky is an Aussie and Roddy mix, and Azul is a Blue Healer mix. And there's a picture of them in our gallery of them cuddling together with their toys and next, we have a picture from Chorus of her dog, Roxy. And Roxy is pictured wearing a sweater, and she's looking really cute in that picture. Thanks, guys. Yes, thanks so much for sending us those pictures. So they're up in the gallery so everybody can see them. And now for a message from our sponsor. As a bloodhound, I have a pretty good sense of smell. Right now, I can smell a 7-ounce filet with hollandaise sauce about 4 miles from here. Mmm, I love filet. I think I'll go see if they have any left over. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again Microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. Aw, that's just like our Toby. He's just crazy enough to try that. Yeah, don't let him hear that message. It may put some ideas in his head. Oh, it's a good thing we're listening to this with headphones right now. All right, everybody. I think that brings us to the end of our show. Thanks again for joining us. And remember, if you haven't already, please spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206 338 3647 or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com. <laughs>